Hello, welcome or welcome back as a regular listener. Matthew Grant here. I'm going to drop off fairly soon though. And Henry Gale today is back with a microphone this week talking to an old friend of ours, Garrett Cohen, president of CRC Brokerage, dialing in from California and Gordon Wintrop, co-founder and CTO of Newfront. Now, We've all been hearing a lot about generative AI, and we're going to hear direct from the front line of how brokers are taking advantage of some of the applications of generative AI, but also from Gordon's perspective, what they're doing with Newfront. Uh, as usual, a whole lot here to learn, and if you want to know more about what we're doing at Instec, how we can help you, if you've got stories and things to share about what you're doing around innovation, or you're just an insurance company curious to know what other companies are out there, then please do let us know. You can find us at www.instec.co. But that's it from me. Over to Henry, Garrett, and Gordon. Garrett, Gordon, it's great to have you on the Instec podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Henry. So I'm going to start with you, Garrett, because you know you're, it's your second appearance on the podcast. Uh, you're the president of CRC Brokerage, and CRC is one of the largest wholesale insurance brokers in the US across lots of different lines of business. You're also an enthusiast for technology and innovation and invest yourself in various startups uh, in insurance technology and other areas. And the last time we had you on the podcast was pre-ChatGPT. Now we're post-ChatGPT. Everyone's talking about AI and generative AI much more than they were then. Uh, how are you separating the, the valuable use cases from the hype? That's a good question. And I get right now, I receive inbounds literally almost every day from different tech companies or startup companies that are approaching me saying, we do AI. And what I find interesting is there is a big change in the way we perceive AI now that ChatGPT and these language models have come out. But ultimately, there still needs to be a good business idea underneath whatever they're going on top of. And to some degree, AI and, and these language models over time are going to be somewhat ubiquitous, right? Currently, we're trying to find what are the best use cases where we can apply it and use it on top of our data. And for startup companies that are approaching me, I'm looking for the same thing. Like, what's the business idea? What's the service? What are you doing? And we're going to get into the details of some more of those use cases in, in the discussion. But when we were talking about Garrett, generative AI you know, a little while ago, you said, we've got to talk to Gordon. Gordon's a good person to bring on into this discussion. Tell me, why have you invited Gordon onto the podcast? So I'm an early adopter. I'm a technology enthusiast, but I'm also not a technical person, and Gordon is. And he's also been at the forefront of some of the thinking and the discussions I've had around like what are use cases that are actually useful and where can brokerages get a benefit, knowing that he had been involved and Newfront had been involved in some of what they were approaching. I thought he'd be a great guest. So you're the, the co-founder and CTO of Newfront, Gordon. Could you explain the company, give a brief overview for those who haven't heard of it before? Yeah, sure thing. The quick background on Newfront is we're building the modern insurance brokerage. And unlike a lot of other startup disruptors that have entered the space that uh, have tried to take the approach of how do we replace people, we're big believers that the commercial insurance industry is really built on people and relationships. And we've been very focused on how do we build a software platform that supercharges those people? How do we empower them to deliver a better experience to their clients and, and just have a better time at, at work? And applying AI is something we've been working on for the past six plus years since we started the company. Uh, and now with these breakthroughs in large language models, it's been 
really nice accelerant to that. And I do need to shout out Garrett. He's been an awesome advisor and supporter from the very beginning. So we're big fans of Garrett and CRC as well. Gordon, can you give an example of how you're using generative AI internally to, as you say, empower people with their relationships and, and doing their business insurance? If you zoom out and you think about what is the function of, of an insurance brokerage, we think of it as this data processing factory where you have unstructured data out in the world, information about businesses and their assets, their risks, their exposures. And then on the other side, you have the insurance markets, right? Information about pricing and coverage details and limit. It's our job to take that unstructured data on one side and map it into the insurance world on the other and then go back in the other direction. And so we have lots of workflows in our product where we've been having people do that, right? They're copying and pasting information out of a spreadsheet or out of a quote document or a policy PDF. And increasingly, we're able to change those workflows. So instead of having a person do it, you have a large language model initially parse the document or parse whatever unstructured information and then have a person just review whatever comes out. And it can really help them move that much faster. So for the broker, they're sort of taking away some of the more tedious aspects of their job, I suppose, rekeying data from document to document and focusing on the, the transaction and the areas where they can add the most value. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it's rather than having them spend more than half of their day on essentially doing data entry and email follow-up, we want them talking to clients and, and providing that strategic advice that they're really great at, not being a, a data entry person. Garrett, what examples are you seeing that are most compelling of how generative AI can change broking? We've been collecting underwriting data for approaching 10 years at CRC. You have areas where there's unstructured data, and then we've done a good job of creating structured data where we've been able to build a lot of information on the submissions that we get or that we place. And so when we, we look at the models of what we're trying to do, we are looking at things Gordon talked about as well as what are these workflows, what are these tasks where we can either make it easier to get the submission information in, the company information in, and that could be a blend of taking stuff that comes into you in an unstructured way through PDF applications, but also it can be working with tech companies that are starting to aggregate data um, from independent sources about the, the customers that we have. And so you get this front end where we have a lot of different data that we're trying to collect to build a good submission, to build a good structure and understand the company. On the back end, we've done a very good job of being able to map already what we have as far as what's happening in the marketplace. So we can completely reverse underwrite the excess and surplus market and the areas where we're placing coverage. We really have a very good idea of what's happening there. So presently, we're able to put a new submission in most areas and be able to make recommendations of these are the markets that would be most interested in that type of risk going based on recent lookbacks. And we could do different types of lookbacks and our brokers have that ability. Where it starts to get interesting, I think over time, as these models get built out, is we're not too far away from the day when somebody from Newfront can send a submission into a box on a weekend. That data comes in maybe in an unstructured format. We structure it. We're then able to potentially go to market over the weekend without a broker touching it. Certainly in some areas that we've already got built, like right now for cyber, we have APIs set up, you can get automatic quotes. So if somebody can come over the weekend, you can automatically get quotes. It could reply to you and say, oh, I see that you're from Newfront. We have a pre-agreed Newfront formats 
set up? Are you happy with the quotes that we have already? Would you like us to get some more? By the time our actual broker shows up in the office on Monday, they might have a full submission that's been quoted and potentially bound. They might have a submission that's gone out and they need to go to more markets because the generative AI, these language models can say, would you like me to go to more markets? I know that eight other markets other than the ones that we have API quoting with might be interested in this risk. And so we could really advance these things and things that that process would have taken several days before to get to that point of either having a submission out or having a submission quoted. Now we can potentially do all of that automatically. And like Gordon was saying, let our broker then call up on Monday and say, hey, we got this submission in. I see that you have seven quotes already. Are you happy with those? Do you want us to go to some more? There are six or seven other markets and you can still have that human soft touch where there is much more value than than you would otherwise see. So I think when you start thinking about language models, I don't know if they replace jobs, it will replace workflow tasks, right? But it allows people then to be spending time on on where there is value, where there's revenue generation, where there's, you know, customer benefit. And so I think those are the type of things that we're looking at. Another part of it that's interesting, and I've always struggled with this, I've seen startups before, and this is before the language models got popular, say, oh, we're doing all of this stuff with AI, and AI gets thrown out. For AI to work well, you have to have data. And so in some cases, new companies, they're saying, oh, we're using AI to do this or do that. It's sort of fake, right? Like they don't, unless they're buying data from somewhere else, they don't have the data to do things with. Being a large company like CRC is, we benefit from that a bit, right? Our ability to use AI for more stuff is pretty broad. And so we're trying to now figure out what are the things that we build? Where do we partner with with other companies where there are things that don't make sense for us to build, and but it's stuff that we would still like to have? I do think that the companies that are in the best position to benefit you know, from these this breakthroughs in large language models are the ones that are sitting on the data and workflows to actually take advantage of it. You know, if you're a brand new startup with just access to GPT-4 from OpenAI, it doesn't work that well out of the box, right? A lot of the, a lot of the actual breakthroughs in terms of helping empower professionals comes from having really great data and fine-tuning these models or coming up with smart prompts to take advantage of the, the data set that you're sitting on top of. And, you know, we're talking about an insurance transaction which often has a very long value chain and lots of different people handling it and, and changing the data in various ways. But it sounds like, I mean, that, that example you gave, Garrett, of something can come in and it can go out to the market and it can come back and, and it doesn't have to have had as much human involvement as it would have done in the past. So it's not just about intake, it's about how you then deliver that to the insurance market as well. I'm interested in whether you think this benefits insurers, your partners on the capacity side, if you're using generative AI in your own businesses. We're trying to get to the point where we can use generative AI to kind of help with our submissions and improve that, right? So you get all of this data in and it's all kind of unstructured and maybe it can start structuring it in real time kind of as, as, as the submission is being built. You know, ultimately, carriers like to get things in in a way that is easy for them to get through it. And there's different levels of that. Originally, when we thought about APIs for submitting, the logic was like you were thinking about automatically quoting. Well, like five years ago, you know, I would say API in a meeting and people would look at me like a dog that heard a funny noise. Now everybody seems to know what it is. But I think the next phase was API equals automatic quoting. But what carriers have realized now is that like, if you get stuff in via API in a structured way, then it's much easier for you to 
to parse that data and focus on the stuff that's important to you. And so I think as we move from data being unstructured into structured formats, and whether it winds up being a generative AI thing or it winds up just being better API connectivity that gives the carrier the ability to parse the data, in all cases, the carrier being able to you know, not have somebody that's sitting there flipping through a PDF to try to find out if the revenue number is too big for them to underwrite it at all in the first place. You know, the, like the easy declines, right? That's stuff that hopefully in the next couple of years can really start to be streamlined and, and will benefit the carriers because then they could really be focusing on the areas that they have the highest level of interest. I think that it's an uphill battle to convince carriers to change how they operate. But I think by Newfront leveraging LLMs, it's a great way to ensure that we are providing the highest quality submissions with you know the most accurate data in, in a very easy to consume format, regardless of how those carriers want to operate. So it's not like we're asking our carrier partners to do anything different. The difference is that now, regardless of where they're receiving that submission and which office from which of our hundreds of colleagues across the US, it's always the most accurate data and it's always extremely fast. And it's because we're using large language models to fill out the forms that they're receiving and write the email that they're receiving, you know, not having people uh, type that in meticulously, painstakingly. Yeah, we spend a lot of our research and uh, writing talking about how insurers can manage the different formats of data they're getting in from brokers. And I think they'll be encouraged to hear that that you guys are, are changing the way you operate. And of course, have got the technology to be able to do that. But it could also benefit the customers as well. I know, Gordon, when we last spoke, you had some examples of how you'd implemented some generative AI that was actually helping, I think, commercial customers of yours. So we've actually been surprised. So when we started applying large language models, I mean, more than a year ago, we were thinking, wow, this is really going to change our operations and how we work internally. And that's definitely true, the opportunity is there, but we think there's an even bigger opportunity in terms of different client experiences that large language models unlock. One really good example is on the employee benefits side, we've built a AI-powered benefits assistant. So we work with about 20% of all US tech unicorns, and a lot of them use Slack for instant messaging. And this benefit assistant lives inside of their Slack instance, and it answers employees' questions about anything HR-related. So it's it's an assistant that's trained on their HR handbook, their employee benefits guide, all of the plan summaries from the different insurers. And what's been so cool is it's helping the HR leaders at those companies, saving them about a month per year on average, because this AI bot is automatically able to answer employee questions just around the clock. And so it's a really cool example of something where we're able to harness AI, generative AI, to give clients a totally different experience, something that they would never expect from their insurance broker. We've been working on taking in all of Instech's sort of podcasts and other data and information and turning that into a bot that we can ask questions about and find out what, what did Garrett say on the last podcast about blockchain or other topics. Uh, Garrett, what do you make of Gordon's example? Are there, are there other ones you can think of of how the customer can benefit? Yeah, there are. And I kind of talked about the customer efficiency you know, a minute ago when I was talking about areas where I could see it going. So I, th- I think policy checking, right? Like that's a big one. Yeah, I'm about to do a placement and is, does the placement have the best terms and conditions? Or if you're this one startup that's getting going right now called Power Broker and they're targeting you know, a number of different workflow areas and in insurance, but policy review is a big one. It's an area that relates to production for retail brokers because 
if you want to pick up the public DNO account, you offer to review the coverage and and then we all make lists of how terrible their current placement is. Right now, that work takes a lot of time. In our case, the customer, of course, is a retail broker. So if, if there's tools like that that we can help develop and the retail broker can use them. Anywhere where there's like something that's complex that doesn't come up a lot, like today we were talking about being able to use it for regulatory issues. You know, we're placing business like all over the U.S., different taxes and fees. There's different rules about how much of a fee are you allowed to charge. All these types of things are, are like pretty complex. And our brokers and you know, our retail brokers we trade with are all working like really fast on the fly. We're placing things in all 50 states or places like Puerto Rico. And you know, that's a spot where we could put a language model on top of these regulations and it would be, in, it'd be awesome. And so kind of similar to what Gordon was talking about where you've got this, this kind of complicated benefits space that has a lot of questions and takes a lot of time. Anywhere where you can take all of that data and put it somewhere where it can be analyzed and then turned into you know something that very quickly somebody can ask questions to, where it's like, I'm making a placement in Puerto Rico. I want to charge a fee that's this much. I don't know how much taxes, you know, how much in taxes I need to charge. And they can reply to you. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've definitely been tracking as, as one example of, of some large insurance companies and brokers starting to do their own in-house chat GPT, you know, working with Microsoft or you know, getting the premium version for their employees where they can, you know, that means they can ask generic questions and sort of use chat GPT in a way that's not uh, not giving away their data or, or maintaining that level of control. But the next level after that is, is that a bot that actually knows all their company information? I don't think many of the large companies have got there yet, but it's probably something to look for in the next coming months and years. Yeah, it's an interesting area. You know, one of the issues that we've had as a company is we have a lot of data, we have a lot of volume. There were a lot of startups that were like, hey, use us as your trading platform and we're going to take all of your data and we're going to monetize it and use it with everybody else. We never really subscribe to that. Like our data is our IP or it's the IP of our, of our trading partners and we need to be protective of it that way. And so we need to really control that. And so, you know, one of the, the things, we're pretty good at analyzing our own data and looking at it internally. But an area that's difficult is how do we then share that data with our partners so that they can see kind of what we want them to see. So we have a bunch of carriers that are bigger partners with us than others. And maybe we want them to be able to very quickly find out who's placing different types of business that they might be interested in. You know, they've, maybe they've had great loss experience on environmental and they really want to push environmental and they need to know quickly, like, where do I go for that? You can do that. That's probably data we would like to share with them efficiently. And it's an area where a language model could work really well for them where they could say, you know, I want to target this type of business. Where do I go? You know, for us, we might choose to open up some of that data to them so that they could get it efficiently and see it efficiently and get those answers without having to do the process we do now where they call one of our guys and our guy calls somebody on his team who then does the running of reports and then they set up a call a week from now and they walk through it together. Those are, that being able to build that connectivity easily off, off of language models is something that I, I see as like a huge opportunity for not just us, but like our whole ecosystem really. And so like Outmark is kind of starting to focus on that, which is sort of a fun space. What about you, Gordon? Is that something you recognize or focusing on? This idea of the data connectivity. Yeah, we definitely see that as a big as a big area. You know, like I mentioned, you know, sending carriers a more complete submission where everything is filled out in a fully automated way using generative AI. That's a big unlock. 
I wanted to bring up though another example of something that's actually client facing. So for you know customers actually buying insurance, a product that we're about to launch and just piloting with a few a few customers internally is actually our AI contract review product. So you know it's a common thing we see where clients will receive a any sort of third party contract. You know maybe they're about to close a big enterprise deal, and it will have insurance requirements. And right now they'll send those requirements or they'll send that whole contract to experts on our team who will parse out all that information and review it. And it's obviously a very uh, laborious task that potentially creates a lot of errors. And so we built this tool where we automatically parse out all of the insurance requirements. We match up those lines of coverage against that client's current insurance program and we identify any gaps. So we can see things like maybe they're missing a line of coverage, maybe they have insufficient limits, Maybe they don't have an endorsement with the right sort of language to fulfill uh, the contract. And it's a really cool example of giving clients this instant experience where they can log into their new front dashboard and just see the results of the contract review right away. And if they have more questions, they can follow up and have a conversation with our team. But it's pretty cool how generative AI can give them an experience that just a few years ago you know, wouldn't have been possible. That's really interesting. So you, you, you could give them remote access to this where they've, they've just signed a contract uh, or they're about to sign a contract, they need to figure out whether it's whether they've got the right insurance and you're able to tell them because you've arranged that insurance for them already and could arrange more. Yep, exactly. That's a great example, actually. That's really that's a really cool idea. You know, I, th- I think one of the interesting things for companies, one of the reasons why I think Gordon would be good in this is that Newfront has a, a pretty heavy tech team. I think one of the interesting things for for us, and, and this doesn't just relate to the generative AI idea, it relates to just kind of tech and tech spend in general, is, you know, we're constantly, you know, we, we have a tech budget, and we, but we also have a certain amount of pipeline of like, where should we spend our time? How do we scale? How do we keep moving efficiently? And so it's kind of this, this constant discussion we're having around, like, we might have like a really great idea, but then we might also realize like that might be something that doesn't make sense in the queue of what we're trying to get done right now for us to focus our own time on you know but if a startup company were working on something like that we could partner with them and and some of these areas might be better for startup companies to build products that they could scale across the industry what gets interesting about that then is if you're a company like newfront we can build a thing like this analysis tool you want to build proprietary things that work really well for you as a retailer or proprietary things that work really well for you as a wholesaler. I could give a, a different example that's easy to understand. We realized pretty early in the process that we don't want to build our own APIs. So we started to realize that the the maintenance of them, the the volume of them that we were going to need to get done, the connectivity issues of trying to build, you know, a direct connected, a direct line to every carrier on every product is just going to be like an impossible task. So we realized pretty early, and ultimately, and this is important in the thinking, having the API might be a differentiator in the short term, but in the long term, that's not really going to be our differentiator. It's going to be what we're doing with it, or what goes around it, or what we do with the structured data that we get or send. And so we realized, okay, that's an area that probably is going to be better for us to to work with a partner on and, and outsource while we focus on the areas that allow us to differentiate and create new and different products that will help us be viewed differently than our competitors. So I'm actually kind of curious. In this space, there's so much that can be done with language models. For some of these other areas, like this would be cool for us to have, but maybe startup company is going to build this better and faster than we can. And that's a better angle for us to take for that that technology. The build versus buy is always challenging. And we really thought of it as 
if it's something that's customer facing where we really want to own, you know, what is that client experience end to end, that's probably a good area where we should be building and, and really have it in-house. And then if it's something more internal where, you know, hey, this is maybe something that's only used in the back office or it's leveraged by a BPO team, then it might make sense to just use something off the shelf. But you have to evaluate it for every feature about whether, where, where do you want to spend, you know, limited resources. And on that point about startups, Garrett, you know, I know you're an investor, you take a lot of interest in in the new companies that are out there. What, what have you seen? I think you've mentioned one already, but what have you seen that's caught your interest? I mentioned power broker and, and out market, you know, and those are kind of like really just getting going right now. So they're kind of at the at the forefront of things. But there's so many interesting spots in insurance too, as you relate to parametrics. Insuro, who I think has been on your podcast before, you know, remains one of my favorite companies. There's, you know, doing Web3 licensed reinsurance company out of Bermuda. They're backing a bunch of parametric products. I keep hearing about them from others. I think they're a lot of fun. There's some other companies that are, Comulate is interesting. They're off to an early start. And Comulate is, is, automating like carrier statement processing. So they're, you know, the payment space and insurance is a mess. And so like Comulate's doing a, a really great job attacking that space and they're growing. Um, Ascend is in the payment space. It's a startup insurance company called MGT that I like an awful lot, is trying to really build a technology first insurance company. You know, when I think of insurance companies, they do four things. They distribute a product, they underwrite a product, they have capital, and then they handle claims. That's kind of it, those four buckets. The old model was you build a big insurance company, you put offices all over the country, and you do all of, you know, and you have hire lots of underwriters, and you carry heavy loads on your own balance sheet, and you hire people for claims handling. If you want to go to the opposite direction of that, and you really want to try to disrupt it, you outsource a lot of your distribution with variable costs through MGAs, through wholesalers. You, you don't have to spend a ton of money on distribution. You stick to areas of underwriting that can be more algorithmic, that can be much, much leaner than needing to do that. And then you focus on your capital requirements and there's different ways you can structure that as well. And, and you can also, if you choose to outsource a lot of the claims handling. So it's possible now to build a, a very large and very lean insurance company that could operate at really high margins. And that sort of thinking is is what MGT is looking at doing. But I quite like that, at least within those companies, you said there are some companies that are very focused on specific tasks that might not be the most exciting, but it's getting payments or, or, or documents processed using technology to make that much more efficient. And if you're able to do that, and all the examples we've seen with generative AI in this podcast and process submissions more quickly, you know, bring it out to the capacity market automatically, that enables, doesn't it, some of these business models that don't require as much personnel or, or don't require the same sort of ways that with local offices that things have been done for, for the past. One of the things I've noticed is, you know, like the, a success formula across the insure tech space. And, you know, this relates to some of my uh, like venture investing side, but like one of the early companies that, that I was involved with was, uh, you know, Indio. What I noticed there was that you had a whole bunch of retailers that were all trying to build a customer interface. And kind of like we were talking about before of like, do we build it or do we outsource it? You know, I realized that a lot of the retailers, and, and when, when I was talking to Mike Furlong, the founder of the company about it, like a lot of the retailers were all trying to do this on their own and they were all kind of doing a mediocre job. 
And we realized that, you know, there's a big open space here where you could build something that could scale across the insurance industry. It's like this niche thing, like how do you get them to fill out applications easily? And going back to kind of this formulae idea, you know, for me, what I really like is when I see a niche space that's scalable across the whole industry. And I like it if it's SaaS. And then if you have some founders that are like likable people that are smart and the people want to work with and do proof of concepts and help them develop and help them build their product, like that combination of things tends to work really well. I think there are going to be a lot of areas around generative AI and these language models where this is going to be like a big question. Like, do we try to build this thing ourselves or is this a better spot for some other company to come into this niche, build out a great product and the scale of it, when you take it across all the insurance companies, all the insurance brokers, winds up being so big that on its own, this little niche thing can actually be a highly valued, uh, scalable company. To me, that's where the, the startup ideas get really interesting. Gordon, I want to come back to generative AI because you've told us some examples of how New Fund has actually been using it for your customers live in production. You know, the question that always comes up is how do you manage the right sort of data privacy and governance that you need to do that in production? How have you got around that and how, is it, how have you made it work? It's definitely something that's top of mind. I mean, we're very focused on data privacy and security. We recognize that our clients share with us you know, some of the most sensitive data that they have, information about their financials, their employees. I think that that gets into that build versus buy conversation. You know, when you're deciding which things can you use off the shelf where you're potentially going to be sending data to a third party. I think there's a lot of, I think every brokerage, every carrier out there is going to say, hey, we're using using generative AI and put out press releases about it. And I think a lot of them are going to run into trouble in terms of actually using it in production and in client-facing applications where they have to, you know, grapple with things like data security and how do we make it work scalably? How do we handle hallucinations? You know, when the models make mistakes, those sorts of challenges take a really great team of technologists who are experts in AI and know how to how to leverage the stuff. It is going to take some time, obviously, for insurance companies to move beyond the press releases. And there's a lot of press releases and a lot of news articles. But you should assume that if this technology, you know, is, has the potential and we, we can see the real examples that you know, both the large insurance companies and small insurance companies are able to adopt it and it will change the way they work. How do you think that changes the sort of wider economy and how insurance professionals should think about their own jobs? Do you have a view on that, Gordon? You know, it is going to change a lot of jobs. I think it's going to, in particular, take away a lot of the the sort of lower value rote tasks that people do every day but it's all about freeing them up you know taking that work off of their plates so they can they can do the higher leverage stuff i've been building software for for 20 years and and this feels like the most transformative breakthrough that that i've seen you know it's equivalent from going to the mainframe computer to cloud computing um, we see this huge opportunity to basically reimagine every part of software using generative ai and that's super exciting. So I, I think for insurance professionals, it's they should be looking to find places that are leveraging this technology to empower them and move things forward, you know, not keeping their their head in the sand. When I think about the implications to the wider job market over time, I mean, there will be changes. There just will be. You know, if, if you're a highly paid 
person who's moving something from left to right without adding a lot of value, whatever that means, those types of, of roles and functions are going to start moving to, you know, kind of roboted tasks. And, um, and that'll become more common as you can, as you can put these language models on top of it to make it a little bit easier to interface with. You know, the soft skills, the people skills, the explanation skills, you know, the, the sales job is going to change. We're all going to become tech companies a, a bit more. And so I think the job market, there will be changes. I think we're going to be able to probably over time eliminate some of our outsourcing that we do. And then it'll kind of move up chain a little bit as the data becomes more structured. You could build more top stuff on top of it. And... You know, we'll be in a spot there where we can scale our best employees, if you will, the top brokers, the people who are like really good with clients and like really make their time much more efficient and be able to kind of scale them up by having some technology behind them that's working 24-7 on their behalf, trying to, to set them up in the best position possible. The puck is heading towards clients, you know, demanding not just someone who's saying, hey, this is the best, uh, the best quote for you. They want to actually see the data and have the transparency into, well, how are you making this decision? What are the various trade-offs? You know, what are my peers buying and how do I compare? And AI is something that lets us essentially supercharge that insurance professional to have that at their fingertips and, and bring it to clients in, the, in a really useful way. I mean, that's, that's the big opportunity that we see. I really like that idea of, you know, as Gareth said, you're sort of scaling up your best employees or supercharging the insurance professionals. So final thought from you, Garrett, is this change how CRC positions itself in the future? Because, you know, as you say, it's, it, there's some of the tasks that you might have been doing before are now uh, automated and you are empowered to do things in a different way or differentiate yourselves through other things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we feel like we have an advantage because we've done such a good job of structuring data historically. And so we have... You know, a lot of the things that other people are just trying to start doing, like understand what markets might be interested in. Our brokers have that AI and that data already. And so for us, it's a matter of now it's much easier for us to like throw language models on top of the stuff that we think is important. You know, so like we're going to put language models on top of our dashboard, like our internal dashboard of so you can ask questions of, you know, who does the most of this type of insurance so that we can have a conversation with them. I think for us, it's going to ultimately change a lot over some period of time. Everything takes a little bit of time to build out. Well, thanks so much. It's been great to have you both on the podcast. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having you back for a third time another time, Garrett.